0: Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Ya eyyuhaladheena amanu attaqu allaha haqqa tuqatih wa la tamutunna illa wa antum muslimoon Ya eyyuhaladheena amanu attaqu allaha wa quluu qawlan sadeeda yuslih lakum a'maalakum wa yaghfir lakum dhunubakum wa man yuta'i allaha wa rasoolahu faqad faza fawzan azeema Amma ba'd, our beloved Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is reported to have made this succinct but beautiful du'a Oh Allah bless Our Sham, O Allah, bless our Yemen. Sham is referring to the Levant, to greater Syria, modern day Syria, Lebanon, Palestine, Jordan. The Prophet, he made du'a for that area specifically. And he also made du'a for the area of Yemen specifically. And for each of these two lands, which unfortunately have been so troubled for the last several years, we ask Allah to send abundant peace and to make things easy for Whoever's there first of all they're human beings and then on top of that they're Muslim and on top of that you have the uh, the Virtues of these areas and these people as mentioned by the Prophet himself sallallahu alaihi wasallam So there are many layers of concern in connection with these areas specifically Before the Prophet sallallahu sent Sayyidina Mu'adh ibn Jabal to Yemen He sent <clears throat> he's sending him there not just to go there for you know sightseeing and to go for a tour and return home. He's not going for vacation, he's going for a purpose that has a lot of depth. And the Prophet advised him, alayhi salatu the Prophet told him you're going to a people who are the people of the book. And the Prophet advised him first, invite them to La Ilaha illallah Muhammad rasulullah invite them to this belief. That there is no God except Allah and that Muhammad is his messenger So he's teaching Muadh prioritization Specifically in da'wah. So he's teaching him start there if they accept it then teach them about the five daily prayers And if they accept it then teach them about zakah It essentially goes from the rich to the poor and even in terms of zakat when it's time to collect zakat do not take from the best of what they have and the prophet also reminded him to be mindful to be aware of the dua of the oppressed because because the dua of the oppressed is answered there's no barrier in connection with the dua of the oppressed what's incredible about this last part specifically is that the same Prophet himself وسلم, said regarding the same companion bin Jabal, عنه, that he is the most knowledgeable regarding halal and haram. So he was one of the elite scholars from among the companions, from among the Sahaba. Everyone had their own niche, their own area of expertise. From among the generation of the companions Not everybody was an expert in Qur'an Not every not everybody was an expert in hadith Not everybody was an expert military general Not everybody was an expert in terms of inheritance or Islamic law So on and so forth Tafsir. There are all these different categories Typically someone had a niche in one area more than others You have Sayyidina Abu Huraira an. We all know that his primary niche was hadith Khalid bin Walid, his primary niche was being this historically amazing military general who is still studied even by non-Muslims until today regarding his tactics and his, his methodologies. How, how is it that he did what he did at that time in that place? And how did he do it so quickly? Well, how, how is that possible that he could have expanded so much, so effectively, so quickly? Maybe we should learn from that. Different people had different areas of expertise. And this is one of the virtues of Sayyidina Mu'adh bin Jabal, the Prophet said that والسلام, that he was the most knowledgeable regarding halal and haram. So keep that in mind. This is who the Prophet is communicating with. As, as vast as the ocean of knowledge was that Mu'adh bin Jabal had, عنه, as vast as that ocean was, The Prophet is teaching him, start simple. Start with the most basic of the basics. And this concept, this methodology was not limited only to Sayyidina Mu'adh and the people of Yemen. We should also reflect on this with ourselves, with others, with our kids, with teenagers, with the youth in the community, with people in the community in general. If somebody just became Muslim today, it's definitely not the time or place to go and pour a thousand and one things on them and say, you need to make all of these changes, you need to do all of these things. That's not the way of our Prophet Start with the shahada, And then even then, what did the Prophet specify after that? If they accept it, then you move on to the five daily prayers. And then if they accept it, little by little by little, you start with what's most important and then you go from there. If a person is, is struggling to breathe at that point, them breathing is far more important than anything else. Any wealth, any grades, any this, any house, car, whatever. At that point, if you triage the situation, that is the most important thing. There are priorities in place. right? Triaging, for example, in the ER. If there's one person who, who has one difficulty, it's, it's the emergency room, it's called that for a reason, obviously. But if there's an emergency that's not nearly as life-threatening, as a situation that is very life-threatening right now, then that has to take precedent, that has to be prioritized because of how major the situation is, because of the details of the situation. Everyone's situation is different and those details definitely matter. The Prophet is teaching Mu'adh, start with the most basic of the basics and if they accept part one, then you move to part two. If they accept part two, then part three. And even regarding zakat, don't take from the best of what they have. You know, zakah back then in that time and place was different than oftentimes what we do now. If someone has the ability, if they give their zakah, you know, with with a card, with cash, alhamdulillah, may Allah accept it from everyone. That's a beautiful thing because someone is fulfilling this obligation that Allah has placed on their shoulders. Alhamdulillah, may Allah accept it from everyone. At that time though, it was a little bit different. They would have livestock, they would have... So so you had more of a spectrum. Now if you have a hundred dollar bill that's brand new and another hundred dollar bill that's a year old, it might be a little bit wrinkled, but at the end of the day, if you go to the bank, those two hundred dollar bills, one may be a bit more crispy than the other, but they are worth exactly the same amount. But that's not necessarily the case with cattle, with sheep, with goats, with crops, so on and so forth. So the Prophet is teaching him wisdom, and the Prophet is teaching us wisdom. What do we start with if there are so many youth in our community struggling just to identify as Muslims, regardless of any level of practicing, regardless of any level of practicing Islam, just to identify as a Muslim is a major struggle for a huge percentage of our youth, for a huge percentage. So is it the time if one of those teenagers, if one of those youth, let's say they're 15 or 16, if they show up to the masjid and they may not look exactly how somebody would expect somebody to look when showing up to the masjid is that really the time and the place to go and to tell them you need to change this, you need to you need to change your haircut you know you shouldn't be wearing earrings brother and this and that, it's not the time. They may not even be practicing anything related to Islam and maybe it's a miracle that they even showed up to a masjid. So there has to be wisdom. There has to be a step one before a step two, then a step three. It has to be one step at a time. You don't jump as high as you can to the the top rung of the ladder. You're asking for some major back issues if you want to even attempt that. One step at a time. And if we don't do that, then it ends up being harmful. Then it ends up being a situation where there's more harm than good. We have to prioritize. And the Prophet is telling this to Mu'adh. Before sending him to a special group of people as the Prophet described them. The Prophet described, you can look it up, the virtues of the people of Sham and the virtues of the people of Yemen. It's incredible, subhanAllah. And in another narration, the Prophet described the people of Yemen as being kind hearted, being soft hearted. And the Prophet loved that about them. Right? So we should connect with these different. The, these different ahadith from our Prophet ﷺ And reflect on them And to think okay What can I do to help these people Because first of all they're human beings That's enough You're the best nation Sent forth to mankind Just benefit people The first hospitals in humankind were created And developed by who? By Muslims And they offered health care for free Whether you were Muslim or not Male, female, old, young It didn't matter You're sick we want to help you you have this illness, how can we help you with that? Free of charge, we just want to help you. Why? Because you're a human being. What if your creed is this or that, or you believe in this or that? If you need help in this area and we can help you, we're going to help you. How did Islam spread to the, to the, the country of Indonesia? If you look it up statistically, the country that has the highest number of Muslims in the world is Indonesia. Without question. Now how did Islam reach these people, this number one populated Muslim country in the world statistically speaking? So if you were to, for example, look it up, a picture of a Muslim in a dictionary should be a picture of an Indonesian Muslim, if you're going to look at it statistically as opposed to stereotypically. How did Islam reach them? How did it get to that point? How did it get to that point where they had no Islam? And then it went, Islam spread and grew to the point where it became the most populated Muslim country in the world. Islam reached them from Muslims from Yemen who were traders, they were businessmen. And when they showed up there, the way they conducted themselves, the way they behaved among themselves, their honesty in business, their character, their kindness, their compassion, their care for people, Their morals and ethics, their mercy, their compassion, their behavior, their akhlaq, their adab is what connected with the hearts of these people and they wanted to know more. So it started with the seed and then it spread and it spread and it spread. How did it get to that point? That doesn't happen without the people from where? Without the Muslims from Yemen. We we make the same dua now that the Prophet made. We ask Allah to bless our sham. The Prophet didn't say my sham. He said our sham. We should think of this, as a community, as a human community, but what the Prophet is especially specifying, as a Muslim community, we ask Allah to bless our Shaman, our Yemen, Rab Rabbil Alamin, wa daman alhamdulillahi rabb. لله, العالمين, One of the consistent action items that we're reminded of when we go through the Quran from cover to cover is the importance of charity, the importance of giving Sadaqah and Allah reminds us time and time again if you give something and it's not necessarily about a specified amount typically what do you find Allah will mention concepts if you give charity then Allah will give you more it's not necessarily in connection with the number Allah is just setting the tone that if you give something I will give you so much more in return and the Prophet taught us that when you give charity it's very effective in two ways especially one is prevention when you give charity it's very very helpful for prevention and we ask Allah to protect all of us and it's also effective for cure so from both angles now what can we take from this whatever situations we're dealing with if things are going good if things are going bad if a person can give charity then to give charity because it'll speed up the process of their situation improving if a person already has good Of course, anybody and everybody wants more good, so let them give charity and Allah will give them more good. And if situations are difficult, if they're challenging, we ask Allah to help all of us, how can they take their situation from bad to good and then from good to better to give charity? If they give something, and it may not be a huge amount, it doesn't have to be. But if you can give something for the sake of Allah we all know the story. A lady with a checkered past gave water to a dog, Allah gave her and, and granted her Jannah. What was the quantity of that water? Very small. Uh, just to, to scale things in, in, you know, in a language that we can understand, that may have been 50 cents worth of water. But with Allah, that 50 cents worth of water was multiplied over and over and over to infinity. So she ends up in Jannah, in paradise. خَالِدِينَ fiha أَبَدًا Regardless of the mistakes that she may have made before, because she did that sincere act for Allah. It wasn't about the quantity in that situation, but the quality, not just of the act, but also the purity of the intention. You don't know what act you may do that Allah accepts it, and that becomes your, your one-way ticket to Jannah. So we should not refrain from giving even a small amount. We shouldn't think that, well, it's only five bucks, what's the point of giving it? No, no, no. The the Prophet taught us to give charity even if it's half of a date, even if it's part of a date. Quantitatively, what's that really going to do? But the Prophet's teaching us, it's not necessarily about that, it's about the intention. It's about the approach, it's about the practice, just giving something from you to someone else for a noble cause to help them because you just want to help them. You don't give somebody a date, okay, but you have to come and help me clean my house. No, no, that's not charity. That's paying someone for a job. That's not sadaqah. Sadaqah, you give it, no strings attached. You're giving it because you want to give it, and you understand that Allah is going to help you in return. I want to humbly ask all of you to please remain seated after the prayer, just for for a few moments. We do have an organization in town, Pure Hands for Relief in Yemen. And some of the statistics that were mentioned to me just before this are astonishing. The amount of devastation that has occurred in Yemen in terms of the people and the schools and the hospitals and, and the families, the people. The people who are also Muslim, who are also from this special area the Prophet loved. And you still find those qualities of kindness and soft-heartedness in those same people until today. As our Prophet mentioned wasallam, that kindness, that soft-heartedness, that tenderness, wasallam. So I want to encourage myself and everyone here to step up to the plate. Let's do something. Let's give something. If a person can step up and give more than something, may Allah bless it and give so much more. You notice in the Qur'an, time and time and time again, what is Allah what is Allah saying Subhanahu wa ta'ala, regarding charity? Allah is reminding us, because Allah knows the nafs. The nafs hates charity. Shaytan hates charity, but our iman loves charity. Allah loves charity. So by doing that, we can elevate. And by not doing that, then we end up, we end up paying the price. If we can, but then we don't. If a person cannot, totally understandable. But if we can and we do, Alladinayumfiquna fi sarra wa Allah praises both. Those who give when they're wealthy and they give when times are tough. Allah didn't specify a number. Allah didn't say those who give a hundred gold coins when they're rich and they give one silver coin when they're poor. That's not what Allah said. Allah just left it open. It's wide open. Allah tells us time and time and time again the value of charity, how much you get in return. And then one time in the Qur'an, Allah says, الشيطان الْفَقْرِ Allah tells us one time, so several times Allah says, give something, I'll give you so much more in return. And, 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 and the list goes on. The virtues go on for charity, any amount. But then one time in the Qur'an, Allah tells us that shaitan promises you poverty, but sometimes on a practical level, we act like they're switched. Sometimes the way that we go about our day-to-day lives, it's as if Allah tells us dozens of times in the Qur'an, shaitan promises you poverty, shaitan promises you poverty, poverty, shaitan promises you poverty, And then it's as if at times, one time in the Qur'an, Allah says, if you give charity, then I'll give you so much more in return. Sometimes on a practical level, that may be how we go about things, but what we want to do, we want to reverse that, we want to switch that, we want to give what we can. And even for the kids who are here, if you have a penny in your pocket, please give it today. And Allah will give you more in return. Allah will help you more in return. Allah will help us more in return. Because what did the Prophet say? He said, our sham is... And our Yemen. We ask Allah to send peace to these lands. We ask Allah to make things easy for them. We ask Allah to guide us and to forgive us and to help us to do what we can to come closer to him. We ask Allah to accept all of our efforts. We ask Allah to make us people of taqwa, to make us people of God-consciousness because Allah only accepts from people of taqwa. We ask Allah to make us all from among them us and our loved ones also keep in mind and we know this that you can give the charity It's a hundred dollars a month to support a family of seven Think about compare that to the, the bills and expenses that we have here is totally different But the, the majority of the country is suffering from starvation Something that we, we cannot even imagine Can you imagine if the majority of the U.S. was suffering from starvation And then maybe there was some help a little bit here and there Imagine the majority. So what kind of Ummah are we? Now Allah said Kuntum Khayra Linness. Yes, the Sahaba radiallahu anhum they stepped up to the plate, they live the ayah. So if we truly want to be like them, then we need to step up and live the ayah as best we can. As well a few announcements before uh, before moving on to the prayer, uh, tonight we will have our Friday Night Fun program from 6 to 7 p.m. for ages 6 to 9. We will also be having our Family Night program from 7 to 8.45 p.m., inshallah. We ask Allah to guide us and forgive us. We ask Allah to turn our hardships into ease. We ask Allah to help us and we ask Allah to help us to help ourselves. We ask Allah for the best of this life and the next and to protect us from His punishment. We ask Allah for abundant guidance and abundant mercy. We ask Allah to help all of us to turn any and all of our hardships into ease. We ask Allah to turn any challenge that we're struggling with, and everyone has many, especially these days. We ask Allah to alleviate those challenges and to turn those hardships into ease, to alleviate all of those difficulties. Amir min Amrina Rashada. We ask Allah to help all of us in our homes. We ask Allah to send abundant peace, joy, and happiness in our homes, especially with our immediate families. We thank Allah for His abundant blessings, those we're aware of and those we're not aware of. And we ask Allah to increase them upon us. And we ask Allah to open our hearts and to make us from among the generous. Allah's generosity, Allah's Al-Kareem, the most generous. So we should try to live that concept as best we can.